Welcome back to Get in the Cashflow Game with K&K, where we talk about investing in real estate, cash flow, building wealth, and all the lessons we learned along the way. And if you can, do me a huge favor. Please like and subscribe this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. That way we can continue to bring you value every week and get bigger and better guests on the show. We've been working on this for the past few months. You know we always want to bring as much value as we possibly can, and our partner, Prime Corporate Services, is all about bringing you a service you can't get anywhere else at a price you can't get anywhere else. Whether you're new to owning a business or owning a property, or you're an experienced property owner or investor, Prime Corporate Services is not only going to help you, but they're going to make the process so much easier. So if you book a call, the first thing they're going to do for you is help you understand what your business structure should look like. Your corporate structure, tax planning, estate planning, all of that. Maybe you're saying, I'm brand new to starting a business and all this sounds foreign and complicated. Remember, this company helps new people just getting started every day. They're going to help you form the entity that's best for you and walk you through the process. Before I found this company, we paid thousands of dollars to other attorneys, CPAs, and consultants to try to understand exactly how we need to be structured to be as protected as possible. We've also gone the other route and used online platforms to form entities which unnecessarily put us at risk. You guys, you don't have to do that with this company. They'll do all of these things for you at a reasonable price so you never have to think about saving money at the expense of exposing yourself to liability. We've searched high and low, and you will not find this much value anywhere else. All you have to do is schedule a free call today. Just go to primecorporateservices.info slash G-I-T-C-G. Once again, that's primecorporateservices.info slash G-I-T-C-G. We'll also leave the info for you in the show notes. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us today. I know we were actually on your podcast uh, not too long ago, so it's fun to do this little podcast swap. Um, but before we jump in, I just want to give you to give people just like kind of a quick background of what you do. And you have a really impressive background and something that's really inspiring, especially for women too. Cause I think a lot of women are scared, uh, about like finances and money and investing and all that good stuff. So can just tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You guys, it's so good to see you guys. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did I get started? So my journey with real estate started before I was born. My parents came here from India as newlyweds with an arranged marriage. So they barely even knew Whoa. each other, right? <laughs> that was the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they came here and my dad had heard that the golden ticket to wealth in the United States was to buy real estate. And as you guys are listening to me, listeners, just hear that. Like here we are in this amazing country that supports us to buy real estate. We get tax benefits. We get so many benefits, right? We get support, we get protection. And so many of us are not buying. We're not taking advantage of that. But immigrants, they know, like they know what it's like in their country. And my parents knew what it was like in their country that things can get taken away from them, from their government and all of those things. So they came here and they were like, we're going to buy real estate. So um, then I was born. So two years after they got here, I was born and their hearts, you know how this is with new parents, their hearts are filled with hope and joy and excitement for this new child. And they became very determined that they were going to give me the life that they had dreamed of when they came here. So they started saving all of their dickles and dimes. My mom was a doctor and she, she you know, she, she wanted to decorate the house and stuff. So she would sew everything. She sewed her, the pillows for her her sofa she sewed the, the um, curtains for her windows so they could save every nickel and dime wow. and then eventually bought their very first property right so that was their primary residence 
And then they kept saving. And then when I was three years old, they bought their very first investment property. So that's how their journey began. And my journey began because now I grew up with this, right? I got to see all the stuff that they were doing. I kind of, by osmosis, those children are like little sponges, right? Um, and so I watched them. And then 15 years later, their real estate paid for my college education. Ah, they That's did amazing. the same for my two sisters. They paid for all of our weddings. So through my life, I've watched what real estate could do for us, right? Financially. But I also watched the struggle. And this is the stuff that you guys may have heard about, right? The termites, the, the tenants, the toilets, all of that stuff. And so, and my dad suffered all of that stress, right? And so I de determined probably by about the age of 16 that I was never going to go into real estate. Like I could see what money could be made, but I was like, no, thank you. It's not worth the stress. For any of you that like look into me a little bit more, my website is called blissfulinvestor.com. Blissful. So that's like the thing that I focus on. I have my entire life. It's been my journey is to to keep everything that I do blissful, happy, joyful, support the joy in my life. And as I watched my dad and his stress, I was like, that is not blissful. I do not want that in my <laughs> life. Right? <laughs> so anyway, so fast forward, we're going through college. I graduate and I graduated during a recession and I couldn't get a job. I struggled and struggled and struggled and finally found a really low paying job. And I remember one night sitting with my dad over the, over dinner and just, you know, I was so stressed. Like, how am I going to do this adulting thing? Like, I can't make money, you know? And he said, he said to me something that changed my life that night. He said, you know, Monica, everybody has stress. Everybody has fear. And everybody has money problems. Do you want poor people money problems? Or do you want rich people money problems? Mm -hmm. Wow. I like that. I know, right? Well, my yeah. first thing was rich people have money problems. Like, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> more money, more problems. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the next thing was, of course, I want rich people money problems. So because real estate does take money. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of these things. There wasn't a lot of coursework then on how to get private funding and all of those things. My dad certainly couldn't support me. So I had to kind of figure this out, um, but I did decide that that's what I was going to do. So I started like, like the re history repeats itself, right? I've got this job that's paying me like not even enough to get by and I start saving my nickels and dimes, right? I go and I live in a little room rather than getting an apartment. I changed my life so I could start saving those nickels and dimes. Then I met my husband. He was obviously my boyfriend, fiance. And for our wedding, we asked for money towards the down payment of a house. And so that's how we get started. We didn't buy a car. We didn't get cool TVs and sofas and all that stuff. No, we wanted the down payment for a house, which we got. And so we put 5% down. It completely got rid of all of our money. We couldn't afford the mortgage. So we rented out a room. So we these days it's called house hacking. Then it was called yeah. getting a roommate, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we got a roommate. Um, and managed to make our mortgage. And fortunately, um, we bought in a good location. This is key, right? We bought in a good location. It appreciated. We got an equity line out of there and we bought the next property. And so things began for us. So that's kind of how I got started. Um, it's a real intuitive way of getting into real estate, um, kind of basic, but people forget 
how easy it can be. I mean, let's say this, how simple it can be. It takes commitment, focus. I had, we, you know, we had to make a lot of compromises, right. To make it happen. But once you get started, I don't know, for me, I got hooked. Wasn't that your guys' experience? Like once you're in, you're like, wow, this is amazing. What's possible. For sure. I think the, I think the hardest part is making that shift. Like you said, like, of course I want the, the, the flat screen TV. Of course I want the couch or like, I I think I need a new car. My car is broken down or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. I think the hardest part is making the shift to go from like a, like a spending mindset to like an investing mindset. But once you Mm -hmm. get there, you're like, oh, I'm looking at things a little bit differently now. Everything. Yes. Everything, everything, right? Um, and what's interesting about this, talking about mindset, is that um, so my first rental property was a nightmare, just like my dad's. Like they wouldn't pay rent, they broke the lease, they got a dog when there was a no pet no pet policy. They did all of those things. There was the toilets. They would call us for light bulbs. Like it was like, wow, this is horrible, right? Yeah. And I, and I remember thinking, I'm going to do this. I was so right. My first, whatever, rich people problems, whatever. So I like got rid of that property. My, and my husband was like, you are so going to regret this. And I was like, whatever, I don't want this in my life. And three years later, I was looking at the, um, at Zillow and the property had gone up from when we sold it, we sold it for 500,000. And we bought it for 200,000 guys, just so you know. So we made great, we did great, but like three years later, it was worth 900,000. Wow. So what had I walked away from? Because I got frustrated, right? And so I really thought about that. And I thought, you know, I want to do this. I know what it can do for me. I got to figure it out. I got to figure out the mindset so that I can do this. And there were some decisions that I made during that time. So I know, and you guys know that real estate is the long game, right? It's a business that you're in for a long time because we have to be able to ride cycles. We have to be able to, to um, wait for long enough for real estate to pay us, right? Mm-hmm. In many cases, not all cases, depends on how you're investing. But by strategy, that's what the thing was. Well, if I was going to do that, I wanted it to be joyful. So this is when I started to really focus on being joyful and blissful in my personal life was a high priority. I needed to bring that into my business and what did it look like? Because now I needed this to be sustainable for me if I was going to do it again, right? Yeah. And so that's why... I brought that sort of bliss mindset into the business and I streamlined, I did processes, I started vetting my tenants much better. I bought houses in neighborhoods that I would want to have those tenants, right? Like people usually buy the house and find the tenants. I find the tenant avatar. I mean, this was like way before anybody taught me this, but I kind of decided this, right? I found my tenant avatar and then bought a house that they would want to live in. And that streamlined my business. It took time because I couldn't afford the really nice places yet, but um, it allowed me to get back into the business and then sustain it now for 30 years. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's such an amazing story because I think, um, you know, everybody here, a lot of us hear about people who immigrate to the U S and how much of an opportunity they have, but it's, I think it's very difficult when you haven't been there or, seen it through, you know, your upbringing, your parents and things, it's really hard to understand that. Um, so 
I guess just like, what's the kind of advice you have for somebody who didn't get that upbringing? Like, how do you get into this mindset of, you know, compromising to save your money to learning about investing and all of those things, because I think it's intimidating for a lot of people. And I would say like women, especially, I think a lot of women just stay out of the finances in their family or even in their personal life. Like I have friends who are even single, who are like scared to look at their bank account, you know, and Mm. you're like, whoa, we got to work on this. So what is your advice to someone to kind of start shifting their mindset like you did at such a young age. Yeah, I was really lucky. My dad had me like writing checks out of the checkbook for bills and taught me all about taxes and how much he hated them. And like, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. All of those things, right? So I was really, really lucky. Um, Interestingly, my mom, who's a doctor, did not have any kind of financial um, brilliance. Uh, She made a ton of money, but then would just spend it. She totally had this spending mindset because that's what she was brought up with. So I think what's really important, the thing that saved me was that I had it in my environment. You guys have heard, I know this is going to sound trite, but you become like the five people you spend the most time with, right? So you need, I think the best way so that you're not intimidated by it is to have conversations with people that are doing the thing. And you might look at them at first and be like, that person's fearless, or I could never be that person. But you hang around with those people for a couple of years, and suddenly you're thinking like that person, you won't even notice it. This isn't like willpower or forcing yourself into anything. You just start to think like those people. So what I would do is build a community of people where you can have these conversations, where you can meet the people that you think are fearless. You can meet the people that are doing the things that you you think you could never do. You're meeting the people that are talking about their budget and like where where they're cutting back and they've got a forward thinking mindset. So they're not thinking about what am I going to do this weekend? And you know what? I need some retail therapy. So I'm going to go shopping. Instead, they're talking about, you know what? I think the market's going to turn. I'm now building my money, whether it's through private lending, through our lender, regular lender, or my own savings or whatever it is to buy this house at this time frame, right? So you start to have these conversations, you start to realize, and you know, I was lucky. There's still so much I don't know. I'm learning every day because of my podcast and conversations with people like you. I've built a community so that I'm constantly learning because the financial world's change too, right? So you want to be hanging around with those people that can really support that mindset that you're trying to develop. You're also going to meet people that teach you about mindset, right? I'm all about mindset, right? So they're going to be, so that's where I bring to the table is helping people to really get that mindset. So you're going to meet people that understand about planning, about budgeting, about you know, houses versus purses, right? I remember. I love that. I love that. I've heard that before. That's great. Our shoes. <laughs> my, my little sister. One day we were driving around in Los Gatos, and she's like, "Monica, I feel like going to the mall and buying a new dress." And I was like, "Yeah." And then after that, I feel like going to open houses and buying a new house. And she just looked at me. She said, "You are nuts." And I am like, I'm nuts in the very best way. I wanted to buy a house. I was ready, right? But this, there's a very different conversation, right? That's a very different mindset. I wasn't going to buy the purse or the new dress. Not that I, I don't look frumpy, guys, but I take care of myself. But I also, I also plan for the future. Does that make sense? 
Oh, for sure. No, I think I think it's it's funny you think, say mindset. I'm literally this morning I'm writing a first time home buyer's handbook, mm-hmm. and I have a story, and then the first thing I talk about is mindset, mm-hmm. right? Because it is. I think becoming a renter to a homeowner, whether you have the money or not, there is a shift there. And then mm-hmm. when you become maybe a homeowner and then you go, I want to buy my first investment property, there's another mind shift. But mm-hmm. it's funny because I always tell people I'm working hard every day, but my if you look at my goals, it's not to buy all this stuff. It's like, I want to buy another property or another building, right? And right. so, but you can't, it's hard to have that mindset. It's also hard to think like that if you're not in the game, if you haven't done it. And once you do it, you're like, heck, I'd rather buy a property than a purse because a purse is like great, but a property, wow. It's like, and that's what you're talking about. How about about. you buy a property that pays for your purse? That's right, thank you, right? And people are always like, you know, well, I hang out with these groups of people as women do this, right? Man, I don't know so much. And maybe Kenny, you can help me out here, but you know, the whole, like, I need to look a certain way. It's like, so you don't look that way. You've got five properties. When you're in a room talking, who's impressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? We, we had a, we had a, there was a client. Um, somebody said, this is funny. Uh, I forgot what it was. He was like, the client was like, um, I think this a broker pulled up in like a Ferrari. The mm-hmm. client's like, wow, that's a nice car. And he goes, oh yeah, you know this. And the client was like, well, you should get into my crappy car and we're going to take all day and I'll drive you around all the properties I own and that'll really impress you. It was some joke like that where it's kind of like, that's impressive to some people, but people that built wealth or done this, it's just, they don't care because their mindset is just somewhere else, you know? And it's not like they don't like nice things. It's just, that was not the focus when when they were getting started. You know, it can't, yeah. it's hard to do both. And it's interesting. Most of those realtors that drive Ferraris and Mercedes and nice cars, they don't actually own homes. Have you noticed this? Yes. Yeah. It's like, why are you selling a product you don't believe in? And why are you spending, like, take less commissions for me, please? I'm actually trying to make money. You do not need a Ferrari. Sorry, that was so judgmental. But it's like, <laughs> no, like, stop showing off to me. We like, have this conversation the all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how is it that I finance real estate, but I'm not drinking my own Kool-Aid, like buying properties and things like that? It is yeah. wild to me. And I will tell you, we've talked to a lot of realtors as they're older in their career and still selling homes that are like, gosh, I really should have bought properties. Like I didn't. And now here I am, I'm working to pay for my kids private school and then I'm paying for their college. And then I got to pay for the house and the lifestyle and vacations. And I should have invested somewhere along the way. I should have started mm-hmm. and they didn't. And they're, yeah. they're working until, I mean, it's like, I think about this, like how long do I want to work for? Or I just want to have the freedom to say, I don't feel like doing that anymore. That's right. It's that's freedom. Right. I think that's what most of us invest Time in. Time freedom. Yes. Absolutely. And Kenny, you said something that was so valuable that I really want to highlight here with your when you're talking about first-time home buyers. We need to really understand what it is that we're wanting. Yes. Like you just said, Crystal, right? It's time freedom, right? And for me, that's always been my motivation too. I will say early on, I did not want to have an arranged marriage. I wanted to be able to marry for love. And so I wanted to be in a place where I wasn't in need. I was in um, in this feeling of like openness and ability to look for the right guy, right? So that was my first why is to be able to make decisions that were not based on need. I love it, yeah. So, so that was my first thing. But then after we got married and we were building our business, it was really about time freedom. Um, and it, that has increased as I've aged, right? But what is your 
why? What is it that you're really wanting? So when you talk about, you know, do you want the things like when you make your vision board, I don't know how many people do this, right? But you make your vision board of all your pictures, <laughs> right? What's on there? Is it purses, cars, new house, cool pool, you know, whatever this purse that those shoes, whatever, right? Or is it a new building? Have you written in time with family? Like, what is it that you're really, really focusing on? And when you make that vision board, um, look at it and think about it this time. Like after hearing this, this year, look at that vision board and could you adjust it? Would you want to adjust it? Because that mindset shift is never going to happen for you until your focus of your why changes. Absolutely. Right? And you know, the one thing that I was going to say to you about that is like the thing that I've noticed about people who want the flashy things, it's kind of like, you're just scratching the surface. What do you really want? You mm -hmm. really want to be able to buy those things, but do you want to be stressed out every month because you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're not and sure paying for those things? Exactly. So like, yes, if you understood if you really thought deep enough to think about the stress or the anxiety that comes with living above your means, I, I'm pretty sure you would say you don't want that. Right. So then you're like, how do I back into getting these things at some point in my life in a way that it's not stressful for me? It's not bringing me anxiety. It's not killing my savings, like all of those things. So I just think a lot of those people like aren't thinking deeply enough about what they really, really, truly want. What is it that you truly want? And and that's why I'm actually doing a talk next week at ARIA. And we're going to be talking about what is it that you really, really, really want. Because I think so much of this, I need to have the car, the purse, the house, all of those things we inherited from somebody in our world, whether it's our community, our parents, school, you know, whatever it is, right? We inherited those. And we are living based on inherited desires that we think are ours, but really getting into who am I and what is it that I really want will change the full paradigm for you. Because you know what? A thousand dollar purse, you put it on your credit card, right? And then you're paying your minimum payments because it's so stressful. The minimum payments don't even cover the interest that you're paying. So now you're paying on the interest for this purse. That thousand dollar purse, if you look at it, it cost you $10,000. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Really? What else could that $10,000 have done for you so that in five years you could pay cash for that purse if you want it? Right? It, yeah, no, totally. I agree. And one of the things, so it's like every year, I know people write their goals for around that time of the year and a lot of them are falling off. And mm -hmm. I said, there's a reason why it falls off. And people go, why? I go, because you set a goal. But mm -hmm. if you're, if you, if you put a why above the goal, so if you said, this is why I'm doing the goal, it's mm -hmm. easier to get up get motivated. And whether it's money, fitness, health, relationships, whatever you're trying to focus on, it's easier to do it, to get out and do it for the why, but there's a goal behind it. So I really just believe that the why will trump a goal and mm -hmm. they, the two kind of go together. But I think a lot of people focus on the goal. Like you said is, Oh, I want to buy this nice new car. And it's like, but if you really backed in why you want it, maybe you wouldn't buy the car because the why right. would not trump the goal. The goal would trump the why, you know, that's right. I want to share something with you that I'm going to be doing at this RIA meeting. So there's, there's, I, I tell people to look for their North star. And so there are three pieces of the North star. There's the why, and then there's the, um, your core values, and then there's your true focus. And so we've talked a little bit about our why, right? 
But let's talk a little bit about your core values, because as you, before you can look at anything out there in the world, you have to really be really in tune with who you are. Because if you don't even know what your core values are, it's really hard to even look at what your why is or where you're going to focus your time or your energy. So I tell people go to blissfulinvestor.com forward slash values. And there's a value exercise that you can go through. Now, what's really funny about this is I was a an executive coach for 15 years. I dealt with people at Facebook, Google. I mean, I dealt with a lot of these guys in the very beginning years. Okay. And there was something so interesting about these people. At some point they would lose their motivation. Why? Because they were driving towards what society expected of them or their venture capitalists were telling them they needed to do. And they had lost sight of why they were doing it in the first place. And it wasn't aligned anymore with who they are or who they wanted to be. So even these people that are hugely successful didn't really understand even their own core values. And they hit a ceiling because of that. So you can reach success without doing all these things. But how much success can you reach and how joyful is it going to be for you? So we would talk to them about, I, I would talk to them about, so what are your core values? Oh, of course, it's family, God, work, children, you know, like they would list them like they knew what they were, right? Well, do you ever go to church? Not that you have to go to church, but if God's in your top three, do you do any kind of praying, right? If you, if it's family first and something comes up at work, so as, as a new CEO or a new whatever, are you spending 80 hours at work and you don't even get to kiss your children goodnight? Is family really your own, your, your highest priority? I'm not saying anything is right or wrong, but I'm saying just be really honest about what's important to you. That's it. Yeah, that's and, great. Yeah, yeah I so, agree with you. And you have to find, like, finding it will take, like, if you go to blissfulinvestor.com forward slash values, you'll see a bunch of words that inspire you. Do this at least five times in the next week, because you have to dig deeper. Your first answer is not going to be the answer. And I will say, once you find your top 15, those will shift over time with the cycles of your life. So you need to keep up with this. Like, what is it that's really important now? I do this every January for myself to like refocus. If nothing else, it just reminds me, right? But maybe something has shifted in those top five, right? For so sure. so I think it's, sorry, I just went on, but this, no, I'm no, so no. passionate about that, that you really, really need to build a business based on who you are and what you want in your life, not things that people tell you should be important to you. Does that and make sense? I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know there's a lot of people here too, who are like, you know, working in a job that they don't feel passionate about working in, you know, something that they don't like, they don't really want to do, but they do it because it, it gives them a paycheck. Like mm -hmm. what kind of advice or what can they do to kind of start shifting towards the things that do bring them bliss, the things that do bring them joy, but also, you know, puts food on the table. Like there's this mm -hmm. business side to life, right. That we can't mm -hmm. avoid. And how do you kind of mesh the two together, especially yeah. when you're already in a position you don't want to be in. Right. So if you're not, you're in a position that you don't want to be in yay for you. You know why? Because you're, you can't get comfortable there. 
Mm-hmm. Like you're upset and it's driving you out. So if someone loves their job, they're much more, much less likely to be like, I need out of here. I need to plan for my future because they're comfortable. But if you're miserable where you're at, yay, because <laughs> that sounds terrible, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like it motivates you to start looking around, but here's some advice I would give you. Use, you can use, utilize everything in your life. Utilize this. I really, really don't like where I'm at and start to learn. Find ways to put an hour of a day into your life where you can learn about the next step, where you can spend time at RIAs or meetups, meeting other real estate investors so you can change your mindset. Find fun ways now to move out of this situation that you're really unhappy with. That situation that you're unhappy with is paying your bills. It's allowing you to not be desperate. It allows you to qualify for regular loans, right? So you don't have to go chasing money, right? It allows so much for you. Be grateful for that. Be miserable for the situation and just make it better, right? It can totally propel you to absolutely amazing expansion. I agree. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people who are unhappy in their situation, then they they go, well, I'm just so exhausted from my job that like at it's night, true. I just don't want to do anything. I have no energy. And so they perpetuate this kind of situation where they keep doing the things they don't want to do because, you know, they just want to like Netflix and chill or they want to go out with their friends or they want to do something else. And um, for me, I feel like it's just, you telling yourself, this is a really tough situation and I just don't want to focus on it because it's too hard. Yes, but I know. When was anything that's good, not hard? <laughs> you know, like anything that you- Anything to worth having, you have to fight for. Yes. It's true. It's true. And I'm not saying don't spend time, don't do the things that you feel, that fill you up. I, you know what? If you want to go out with friends, that's great. If you want to watch Netflix, that's great. Understand, don't binge on any of those things, right? right? Give yourself the time to decompress and then refocus because you are worth it. And your energy does not get to rule your life. You know, there are are different ways for us to deal with our energy too. And so much of it starts with our mind. Yeah. I wanted to share, uh, you just got me thinking about the story that I heard recently. So uh, we were at a mastermind and Erwin McManus, if you ever heard of him, Mm-mm. Um, amazing guy. I think I shared with him. He was on stage and um he was telling sharing this story, kind of a sad ending, but he said, Um, I got this multi-billionaire was having a party, very successful. And he goes, His friend really wanted me at the party. And the guy's like, I don't know why he's coming, very negative. So he's like, I ended up showing up and I did my speech and talk. And um He's like, I went over to the billionaire guy. He's like, he wouldn't give me the time of day. He wouldn't talk to me. He's like, man, like, and this guy is very kind of sawed off. Like, why am I here? And he went up to me, he goes, hey, I just wanted to thank you for inviting me. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, can I just be honest with you? And the guy's like, me? He goes, yeah. He goes, why are you so miserable? And this is a multi-billionaire. Nobody ever talks to my dad. He goes, nobody ever talks to my dad. He goes, exactly. But you're sitting over here. You're super miserable. You're completely depressed. You have all the money in the world, all the friends here, everything you want. Do you not realize this? And the guy was just kind of like, shoot him out of the house. He goes, I get down the street and the guy calls me. He goes, how did you know that? Like, how did you, how did you know that I was like this? 
And he just mm -hmm. says, you're right. I am miserable. I hate my life. I have all this success, but I, it's not, I'm not doing it with bliss. It's not happy. It's not what I want. And the guy ended up two months later committing suicide. And I think mm -hmm. the, the whole point of the story was, is like, it's just because you have all this money, success and all this with all this, you know, all he had everything he wanted in the world, but he was completely miserable and unhappy. And it was just sad. He was just saying that this guy was just kind of going through life of like backing it up and like, are what we're doing and what we're in, are we doing with bliss? And like, you know, you, when I see you, it's like joy and bubbly and happily, but that doesn't mean success is going to give us that, right? It really does not. That's it not, doesn't. that just success does not equal that. Right. And I we think, have to yeah. build the success based with that as the focus and the goal. You are so right. And, you know, actually, Kenny, if you don't mind, I'd really like to comment on that because I think we, we talking about the billionaire, right? He's reached all of this success. What would have been enough for him to be happy? So on my show, right? I talk to all these people and in their bios, they say things like, we're responsible for $10 billion of blah, 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 of, you know, of um, investments for our clients. Or we own $2,500 door, 2,500 doors, or we, da, 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 you know, all of that. we make $180,000 a month, right? They'd say all these things. And I have to confess that I feel really inferior because me, I own 10 doors, Right. I make enough to retire my husband's software business, um, software programmer income and my own and live a very nice lifestyle. But it's not one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a month, not even close It's a fraction of that. Right. Um, and so sometimes even I get caught up in I should be doing these things. I'm not interesting in my community because I'm not doing those things. But one of the things that I have to keep pulling myself back to is, Monica, what is it that you really want, right? What's enough? And it's not that I want to live mediocre. Anybody who knows me knows that I do not live mediocre. I'm always shooting for better. But shooting for better does not necessarily mean more money. Yeah. Shooting for better can be, I'm happier. I've got more time freedom. I can spend time with my aging parents when they need me to make phone calls because they can't hear anymore, right? Uh, better does not mean more money. It does not mean more doors. It does not mean more income necessarily. What does it mean? So there is a point where it's enough in one area. I still want to expand that. I understand about inflation. I don't want my lifestyle to deteriorate, right? So there still is a focus on my business, but it's not to become a billionaire. It's just to become a better version of myself and to keep, you know, keep expanding that in a way that's joyful and blissful. People can shoot for billions and find that they're never happy and they get there and they're like, this is it. This is what I spent my whole life working for. And then kill themselves or go into a huge depression or die young because they're miserable. I love that you right? say that though, because I feel like so many of us get caught up in just the competition of everything. You know, mm -hmm. you see your peers, you see people you know in your industry, and they're, it seems like they're doing more. You feel like, oh, I'm a loser because I'm, I'm not, not doing motivated more. enough. What's wrong yeah, with me? I yeah. definitely have those feelings. Like it's mm -hmm. something I, I struggle with too. And I think, I think that's a, a good thing in a way, because it means that you're motivated, that you want to yes. do better and be better. But as long as you don't get carried away with it, because like you said, sometimes I have to go think, step back and say, okay, wait a second. What do I want? Oh yeah. I want to be there for my kids. Like, I don't want to come home every night and they're already 
they've already gone to bed. I want to spend time with my family. Hey, I might lose a client or two because I wasn't willing to work at, you know, six o'clock at night when I was eating dinner with my family. They called somebody else who picked up the phone. Mm -hmm. That happens. But I have to be like, if that's my goal to be around for my family, then I have to be okay with that. And so mm -hmm. it's a conversation we've both had because he'll say, hey, I could do a lot more. We could make a lot more money right now, but I got to work more. I can't come home at five o'clock every day. I say, fine, then I guess this is what we're going to be because that's important to us as a family. Mm -hmm. So it, it really is one of those things that you cannot compare yourself because everybody's life situation is different and what they value is different. And if you're struggling with it and you, and that's what you think you want, because you, like you said, when you get there, go talk to people that have it all that in your mind have it all. And they'll tell you, yeah, when you get here, then you're just chasing something, the next thing and chasing the next thing, next thing. It's and never think, enough. Exactly. So it's like you said, it's really got to be enough. You got to be happy and passionate and like excited to do what you're doing and whether you're here or there or anywhere. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's the struggle and that's hard in the fast moving Instagram, Facebook, all this come at you quickly world we live in. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. I remember, you know what? I wanted to find really quickly what we're talking about with Bliss. We're really deep in the show, but I yeah. just want you to, because I've got another story I want to tell around yeah. that. So Bliss is a deep sense of joy and contentment and the confidence that you can handle anything that comes your way. So Bliss is really about emotional mastery and emotional resilience. So you can see how that's super important in building a life and building a business and building anything, Right. Um, and so it's really important that we decide what does bliss look like to what is going to support that emotional resilience for us, right? And chasing for some people will do it and for some people just won't. I had a coach that told me, Monica, I don't want to be blissful. I feel like I'll lose all my motivation if I'm blissful. You can, <laughs> it's about emotional mastery and resilience. People that are happy are significantly higher performers than people that are not. It's proven. So if we stay blissful, we stay masterful with our emotions and resilient, and we live a life that feels joyful to us, or at least when it's not joyful, we have the tools to bring us back to joy quickly, we're going to be higher performers because you know what? When you're a blissful person, life is amazing. There's so many opportunities. There's so many cool people. There's so much to learn and there's so much to do, right? That's what bliss looks like. It's not that you're going to go sit on the beach saying, ohm and forget about life. That's not what bliss is. Well, I think and bliss like gets said, confused with contentment, you know, like you, right. you can be blissful and, and not content. <laughs> Right. Or you can be content and want more. Yes. So I'll always say something, this and something better, this and something better. I love what I have today and let's do it better. I'll yeah. never be as blissful as I can possibly be. Right. So, and, and that's true in all areas of our life. You can have, be content and joyful for what you've achieved and want more. That's how we're built. And when you're happy, you can see all of that potential. You're not bogged down. Down by sadness, depression, the tiredness of hating my job that you were talking about before. Those things weigh us down. When you're emotionally resilient, there's so much more opportunity out there. And the biggest thing is you see that opportunity, right? Your eyes are wide open. They're not like droopy and sleepy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, for sure. Um, I kind of want to ask you too, um, obviously you do a lot of content. Um, you have a great podcast 
and I know it's focused on real estate and women, and then you've been on stage. Can you kind of talk about that part of your life? And I know it's probably a huge passion and I know you're great at it because your personality is like perfect for it, but <laughs> how, how you kind of fell into that and got to all those opportunities. So a while ago, I wrote a book called um, Choose Bliss, um, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I got a huge world um, stage for that. People, it, it came out during an election time. Um, there was a lot of um, controversy and upset for everybody in the United States. So I did um, a world tour and lots of television for that book. And one of the things that was interesting is as I would talk to people, people would say things like, well, you know, that's great for you, but I can't be blissful. This is wrong. I'm in pain. I just lost my child. I, you know, there's a lot of things, but the thing that came up the most is we're broke. How can you be blissful if you're broke? And so here's my thing. Bliss is an inside job and you can be blissful no matter what. However, it is a lot more work when you're in pain. So when we talk about physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, and financial pain, having those things does make it a lot more difficult to be blissful because we're not, we're dealing with the fire rather than building, you know, building up the wood underneath it, right? So we're not, we're dealing with things that that pull us away from focusing on what we really want in life. So, but the thing that I heard the most was how can you do it when you're broke? Well, one thing that I had realized is that I had taken care, I call it the mundane money thing. I had taken care of the mundane money thing when I was younger by starting with real estate. Now it didn't mean that we didn't have financial problems. It didn't mean that we were rich. It meant that I felt like I had that under control. So even when I was stressed out about money, I could say, you know what, I'm building this and no matter what happens to me, I will always be able to take care of myself. I will never be on the street. Nobody I love will starve, right? So I had had that taken care of and it started me thinking about, wow, people don't, first of all, nobody thinks of money as mundane. I, I love money, okay? So <laughs> it's not that, but but it is kind of a, it's a structural thing in our life. It's not the end goal. Right? right. And so I had handled that. What could I teach people how to handle that? And I realized it was such a big piece as I did studies. I don't know if you've seen my TED talk. Um, there's lots of studies about money does buy happiness to a point, to a point. You have, as long as you're desperate and only worried about money, you, it takes away from your joy. Once you get to that point where you're handled, so not rich, but handled. Now the tables turn. Now joy becomes something that's not completely dependent on money. Once I realized that, I realized that I could be a big help. And like for me, I when I got married, I wanted to marry for love, not for need. And I sort of realized so many of us women marry for need or even men, right? People will move in together to pool their, um, their resources, not because they're madly in love with each other. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but they might stay there longer too, because it's harder to get out. Right. So instead of being so focused on, I need help. 
I wanted to be focused on I want joy. And this was something that I could bring to the world. I don't make any money on any of this stuff that I do. This is my way of giving back because I've been so blessed, but I love it. And part of it is also that I grow so dramatically with each show that I do, right? We were just talking about that. You guys are my community. Look at who I get to hang out with. It's so cool, right? Yeah. So the financial piece of that business doesn't happen, but it's okay because it's an opportunity for me to continue to grow and also to share my gifts with others. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, one thing I was going to say is um, going back when, you know, you got started in buying real estate, like, you know, there wasn't um, YouTube, there wasn't the courses and all this. And, you know, I wanted to start at that point. It is the entry point as far as from an educational point of view is so much easier these days. I mean, there oh is my goodness. books, webinars, courses, masterminds, meetups. And when you're saying getting around those people, a lot of people are like, how do I find them? You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to mm-hmm. get uncomfortable. You got to go, go to meetups, maybe invest in yourself and go to a mastermind, right? And be around people have like-minded. So that's one thing I want to ask you is with your community and what you're doing, I mean, what do you see that's really maybe helped you or other people get out of their comfort zone, meet people and really change their life and get around those five people? Yeah. So I have always been in a mastermind. So you're right. Um, And I always want to be the least interesting person in a mastermind. So I look for the masterminds where people are making much more than I am. They have much more experience and um, they think I'm sweet. But I—they <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all—they're all much smarter than me, right? Yeah. So, um, of course, I want to feel like I'm bringing something to the table, and certainly my whole mindset piece really brings a lot to the table, and that's been developed for that purpose because that's something I can bring, um, and that I'm really good at, right? So, you do want to bring something, know that you're bringing something, but I always want to be, like I say, I want to be the less least interesting person in a room. I want to hang out with people that are so much more successful than me. Um, and I think that that is the opposite of how most people think. They're like, if I go into that group, I don't know anything. They're all going to think I'm stupid. So they go into a mastermind where they're smart or they're equivalent, right? Mm-hmm. Get comfortable with hanging out with people that want to share their gifts because they're brilliant, right? We all have things that we're really, really brilliant at, Hang out with other brilliant people that want to share their conversation and their time and their gifts with you. And you're going to find those people. So masterminds is one place, but there are a million masterminds. It's hard to find the right ones for you. Um, So do research on people, like listen to podcasts, look at people on YouTube. If you have a chance to talk to people that are in masterminds, how do they like it? How do they benefit? What does it bring for you? Um, So those sorts of things. Meetups, super easy to go to. And again, if you keep... (laughs) If you keep the mentality that you want to be the least interesting person in the room, you're going to go out there and you're going to start asking questions. So it's not so much about what do I do? What do I bring? When someone asks you, what do you do? I'm a real estate investor. What do you do? I don't talk about myself at all until they insist, right? So it's really about the curiosity of of who I'm meeting. And if you're not that person, Go ahead and sit in the back and be a wallflower and just watch. We'll do people watching. Watch them. Watch who's interesting. Who is it that you want to ask questions for, right? I know how intimidating it can be. Um, But if you take yourself out of the equation, 
and you enter it with this idea of curiosity, you'll start to find the people that you want to connect with. It takes a little time. There are people, I'm an introvert, actually. It's really hard for me. Yeah, I know, yeah. right, Kenny? Yeah. Um, for extroverts, it's so much easier. But for us introverts, you know, I would go to a meetup and just sit and meet my two neighbors and everybody would get up and talk and I'd be on my phone, like, don't talk to me. But I but, <laughs> but <me>. I would <laughs> I would kind of be watching through the corner of my eye, like, who is it that I'm wanting to meet? Who's having these conversations, right? I'd be listening. That's an introvert skill. I listen. And then I'll meet the few people that I think are really, really interesting. It might take me three meetings, but I'll start meeting them then. So take your time, be honest with who you are. Don't push yourself. It can be intimidating, but remember that you do not need to be the most interesting person in the room. Find somebody else who is. And you, you know, know what's exactly. interesting? Yeah, good point. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that? I learned recently, um, fairly recently anyway, is that the people who are going to masterminds and meetups, they're going there because they want to share with others. Like they yes. are open to it. So even, and also they are also probably nervous to yes. introduce themselves mm -hmm. to other people, to start a conversation, to, you know, just walk up to strangers. So it's funny because that, that helped me a lot because I am, I'm the person who like, I'll go to an event and can actually, even though Kenny says he's an introvert, he'll meet a hundred people in the room. I'm like, I bet three. You know? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, but that was through. But honestly, that was through uh, practice and watching other people that man, that person meets a lot of people, or that person meets a lot of people. How do they do it? And I go mm -hmm. ask and they're like, it's simple. Go up to somebody say, Hey, my name is Kenny. And, uh, you know, you could say, uh, what do you do? And what's your biggest problem in your business? Something like that. And all of a sudden, you will be amazed how the conversation just goes spark. You know, mm -hmm. it's that simple. And even though that's scary, it's very easy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because yeah. you get them talking. Now you're not responsible yeah. for a lot, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or tag or befriend somebody that's really uh, extrovert and say, cool. Tag along. Just, yeah, tag along and let them, yeah, they'll, they'll let you introduce you to everybody. You know, that's another good thing to do too. I see yeah. people do that all the time. It's like, oh, I'm going to tag along with them. I'm going to meet everybody here, you know? Yeah. So that's I do that thing. one a lot. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually was invited to a big real estate event and they only know me through my, the person that invited me only know me th knows me through my podcast. So she thought I was a huge extrovert. And I told her, I said, now, listen, if you're going to have me come to this thing, I'm just going to tag along because I am so nervous in groups. Like I am not that person that is, re it's really easy to meet people. She's like, really? And I was like, really? So, so I like prep prompt her. Uh, prepped her I was like I'm gonna be like your little puppy and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> follow you around and it was fantastic you know we had so much fun but yeah I really need that extrovert to kind of pull me along you know if I'm gonna meet a lot of people if that's my intention yeah and then like Crystal said if you go to the right mastermind and you're right around the right people you should have a room that you don't even know that are grateful to be there there's gratitude they're willing to give back and they're having the same emotions, the same thoughts, whether they're big or small. And so you're all in the same thing. So just rip the bandaid off. And the sooner you, that would happen to me, I remember I walked in the first mass remember it was like a hundred plus people in the room. And I was like, holy smokes, how do I get started here? And just like, you just got to start walking up. It's weird, even for somebody like me or you or whatever. And you don't think it's weird, but then you just start to really realize 
okay, these people are in the same boat. Just as a funny mm-hmm. story, like that first mastermind Kenny went to, like there was all these guys who were like really well-known, like online and stuff, had very successful businesses. And half the time he would introduce himself like, hi, what's your name? I'm Kenny. And he'd be like, uh, well, I'm, you know, Cody Sperber. I'm, Aaron I'm this Mack, famous like, person. People. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. well, I went to oh. like the first time I knew like Kent Clothier. So I went to the one table and they are all at the table. So I'm shaking hands. And I was like, Kent, why are you saying something? Because that's ah, kind of fun to see, like not know who you're talking to. And I was, I was having a good laugh, but you just, so, but they were cool about it. They didn't know. They're like, okay, this guy clearly is here. Doesn't really know who we are. And they're like, okay, well, we got to tell him. And I was like, and then five minutes later, they're all on stage. I'm like, oh my gosh, nobody told me this. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, but then it was okay. You know, it was like, okay, well, I met him first. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I've done, I've made that faux pas so many times, like not know who the speakers are, not know there's a famous person at my table. And I'm just like, hey, I'm Monica. What yeah. do you do? You know? <laughs> and you, they get this look, but it's like, you know, but they, they love to talk. They about actually appreciate too. that. They actually appreciate it more. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not um, trying to get to know you because I want something. I'm here because I'm interested in the people here. Right. So, so tell us, um, where, like, where's the best place to find you? What do you, what do you, what do you got kind of like where to find you, but what, what's going on this year? What are you excited about for 2023? Yeah. So you can find me at blissfulinvestor.com and that's where you're going to find everything. You're going to find my podcast, which is real estate investing for women guys like it too. Just so you know, (laughs) (laughs) there are definitely sometimes when it's a female topic, guys, you just don't tune in for that, whatever. But, um, but anyway, so blissfulinvestor.com. So there's real estate investing for women. All my books are there and my TED TEDx talk is there awesome. too. So that's what's going on with all of that. You know, I am in a pivot right now as far as what I want my business to look like. Um, my priorities are changing a little bit. I just moved to, pro- to Sacramento to be close to my nine to one year old dad. Wow. Um, it's taking a lot more time and energy than I had anticipated. And it's exactly why I moved here. So my priorities are changing a little bit. So what I would say is go to blissfulinvestor.com, download my free report, which is how I made a mul- built a multi-million dollar business, started with $10,000. It's now worth over $5 million, um, and cash flows so that I can pay for my life. How did I do that? And you can do it too. It's very transparent. So you can download that, get on my newsletter, and then you can discover sort of how things evolve for me and what my offerings are going to be this year. I love that. Cool. Um, so one of the questions we ask everybody before we end, which I, I can't wait to hear your answer, is um, what is your definition of, definition of generational wealth? Oh, um, I don't have children, so I don't think that much about that. Um, but generational wealth to me is building assets that you can then hand down to your, you know, whoever it is that's next. My parents are going to hand stuff down to me and then so forth. Right. Um, but really assets. So be careful what we think of with assets and liabilities. You don't want to hand down problems to your children. <laughs> you want no. to hand out hand down assets. And in many cases, real estate is a beautiful asset because of the tax laws. It allows you to pass it down. They don't have to pay taxes, right? at least right now, right? for, um, for the value that they get. Um, and then they can get cash flow on those assets. So that's what I think about as generational wealth. Yeah, I think I like that. Yeah, yeah like no that. generational debt, generational wealth. Yes, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, every time I, I every, like when I saw you today, it was like 
you're bubbly, you're excited. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool to know that you're an introvert too, because it's like, I think people misstate us, but it's, I don't know why we're like this, but somehow we are, but congratulations on all your success. Um, we look forward to staying in touch and, uh, to see what the future brings for you. Yeah. Honestly, Monica, you really are like just such a bright light. Like you give, like, I, I can like feel your happy, positive, amazing energy Bliss. through the computer. So, um, <laughs> I just think that's such an amazing gift that you have. And I think you bring joy to everyone who's around you. So I do appreciate the time and, and the joy that you gave us in this hour. Yes. Thank you guys. And so good to connect with you again. Yes. You I'm too. looking forward to keeping, keeping that up. Yes, cool. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah.